Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 199 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are happy and glad and all the things to be back with you for another week of the Beers and Bible podcast. Um, episode 199 coming in hot. Next week is our 200th episode. Yes. We got to figure out if we're going to do something special for next week. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if we will or not. We're going to find out. We're not like done with anything, which yeah. is like, I was, it would be really cool if we like finished on 200, right. but that right. didn't work out. So, no. And, and we're not going to finish before 200. So, no. Anyway, so, but anyway, we're back for another week. Our post uh, Thanksgiving first episode that we've recorded since Thanksgiving. Yeah. Michael has officially started listening to Christmas music now. Actually, I haven't, but I do have a Christmas beer, well, a Christmas-ish beer tonight, so that'll be fun. It's November 30th, so it's technically, like, today is, like, we're recording on November 30th, so it's not Mm -hmm. quite Christmas month yet. Oh, yeah, it is. It's been Christmas since November 1st. I may may listen to Christmas music tomorrow, just, just because it's December 1st. So, I have a, I have a playlist Let's see here. It is 1155 songs long. It is three days worth of music and it stays on constant loop in my office. But what's funny is it's 1155 songs, but it's like the same nine songs (laughs) done by 80 different artists. That's what it is. No, there's it's actually a pretty good mix of songs. It I definitely repeat some. I was just making a Christmas song joke. How there's like that is how like a. the the fish or Caleb or whoever will play like, all right, that was Joy to the World by Casting Crowns. And up next is Joy to the World by Stephen Curtis Chapman. <laughs> now, and after yes. that is Joy to the World by Mercy Me. <laughs> that is absolutely true. <laughs> 100%. So, well, how's your week been, man? It's been pretty good. Um, it started getting cold. Um, and I, I'm not a huge fan, especially hmm. when I have to work outside. Like if I have to work outside in the cold, it's not fun. Um, and we've been up like in the mountains three days this week. Ooh, for work doing stuff outside for one of them. So that was a fun day. Uh, I've actually, I think I've got a little bit of like a head cold sinus sinus stuff going on. So I'm not really sure what's going on there. Uh, but we're good. Uh, one of my kids was sick this week, so getting over that. And uh. If you hear me in the background, like sniffling or like trying to exercise a demon out of my sinuses, <laughs> that's what's going on there. 
Michael's got the uh, the parasite that we had from the main blueberry UFO oh, beer. It's what it feels <laughs> like. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that in a long time, but that's pretty accurate. But no, we're good. Um, you know, we're starting to get. I think we may decorate our house for Christmas this weekend. Maybe I put my inflatables out this week or oh, today. Okay, you're that family. Okay. <laughs> We we added so we lost our snowman from last year. Lost him like he got away. He blew away. Oh, that's sad. yeah, it was sad. There was a big storm while we were gone, and he <laughs> and he blew away. <laughs> Frosty, Frosty blew away. <laughs> oh man, this is gonna be bad tonight. R.I.P. Frosty. R.I.P. <laughs> R.I.P. So we had to replace him. So I replaced him with uh, two smaller ones because he was a tall guy and there's no t- trees around our house. And so the wind blows pretty good. Um, but we got two short, shorter ones this year and we got a uh, four foot tall minion inflatable and a four foot tall stitch inflatable. <laughs> oh, so you're that so family. My, okay. Oh, yeah. My yard consists <laughs> of minion, stitch, dinosaur, and uh, disco Santa. <laughs> I was about to say, is there anything like traditionally Christmas about any of your decorations? And the answer is no. No, no, it's not. <laughs> okay. Well, that's fine. That actually is on brand yeah. for you. So that makes sense. What we do is we just put <laughs> lights up on around our house. That's all we do. I have one long string of lights that I like wrap around the bushes on one side of the house and then wrap them around the, the come around the door. And go through the bushes, mm-hmm. go around the garage door, and go to the bushes on the front side of the house. And it's just one strand that nice. I like plug in right by the <laughs> right by the front door, so I can just like go outside, plug it in, and come back in <laughs> when I want to. So nice. keep it simple, man. Keep it simple. That's true. That so, is true. Are we ready well, to drink some beer tonight? Let's drink some beer tonight. What are you drinking? So tonight I am drinking from New Belgium. A brewing company, beer company. I don't know. New Belgium, uh, New Belgium Brewing Company. This is the this is the company that's like got stuff in Fort Collins, Colorado, and Asheville, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. So I don't. And they're the ones that did like the Voodoo Ranger yeah, IPA. They make and the, all uh, Truck Stop Honey too. Truck Stop Honey. They make Fat Tire. If fat you've tire. ever had Fat, fat Tire, good. I've had Fat Tire. Um, but anyway, I am drinking Holiday Ale. Um, it's a limited release from New Belgium. Uh, flavors of cranberry and spice and everything nice is right there on the can. Uh, seven and a half ABV and uh, not, not a whole lot of info on it on the can. It's a cool, like very traditional Christmas looking thing going on on the can there. But um, tis the season for flavors of cranberry and orange, cinnamon and spice. Uh, for everyone naughty and nice is what their website Ooh. says. So it's it's really kind of a simple looking thing. Um it's just a holiday ale. And um that's what I'm drinking tonight. Anthony, what are you drinking? So tonight I have the uh it's called Coco Booney, B-U-N-I, Booney. Okay. Um it's from Creature Comfort. So I was in Georgia last week over Thanksgiving and uh stopped and got me I like the Creature Comforts uh beers and so i don't get them down here so i stopped and got me one this one looked interesting it is a milk porter made with toasted coconut cocoa nibs and coffee Mm. and 
I thought that was an interesting combination. And I don't know that I've ever actually uh no, the dragon's milk was a milk porter. You're or on a you're stout. on a coffee uh coffee kick the last I, few weeks. I noticed that I am, and I'm okay with that. You know, some of them have been good, some of them have been bad. We're gonna find out. Yep. But that's what I have for tonight. Comes in at six and a half ABV. Was I was looking at my can while you were talking because it says available December and January. And I was hoping that I didn't get last year's version. <laughs> uh, because it's only November 30th, and I bought right. this a week ago. And I can't really tell that it says on 1010. I'm assuming this is 2023 by 210. And then there's just some other numbers. So uh, I'm going to assume that this was brewed in 2023, and this is not leftovers from 2022. So my beer um, has a Best Buy date on the bottom instead of a like can date. I've never seen yeah. that before. It's uh, April of 2024 is what's on the bottom of my can. So this is See, fresh. This I'm is very assuming fresh. that's what that's what mine means because it says on and then it has 1010 and then it says by 210. So I'm assuming that's like 1010 2023 and 210 2024. That would check out. So. I or 10 10 2022 <laughs> 210 oops <laughs> anyway so let's crack our beers open let's get to let's drinking do it. here we go three two one crack did you hear that one i did not hear that one i'm back to not hearing your beers again well mine smells like christmas I haven't even like really gotten to like a like a put your nose in it smell yet. Oh boy. That doesn't smell bad at all. This smells like a uh Hershey's chocolate bar. Did we ever find out about if the Hershey Porter's coming back? Um it is well, it's back. I saw it the other day and I just didn't get any, but I saw it. I so, haven't seen it anywhere yet. I'll be getting I'll be getting me some very soon. I'm a hundred percent sure that the, the package store close to um close to us, I requested it from the like I put it down on a list and the owner went and got it and they got so much of it. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure I was the only person that bought it. <laughs> like I bought one of them and I was like, okay, we're good. Yeah, oh, they usually just get one or two. They've had it in for like the Hershey thing has been in for like a month. So, okay. well, there you go. Well, let's drink some beer and see how they taste. Let's do it. Cheers. Bottoms up. I can go. Go ahead because I need another minute. Okay. So, New Belgium. Don't take this the wrong way. But this has a hint of canned cranberry sauce. <gasps> like that's that's like the initial flavor is what I that's what I get. Um after that it's great. Like the like but that the cranberry feels artificial. Mm -hmm. Um and and like if it was like real cranberry sauce like homemade from scratch cranberry sauce like that's the like i started making that 
cranberry sauce that way several years ago at Thanksgiving. I've never looked back. <laughs> I don't like too, cranberry sauce. So, <laughs> well, it's too stupid easy to make it to rely on that can of yes. gelatinous crap. Um, <laughs> all that to say, um, this is just this is kind of an okay. I also went to a a package store I don't typically go to, so my selections were kind of like not that great to begin with. So, um, I mean, this is this the flavor is fine. I just wish that the cranberry flavor was more real. Mm-hmm. I think like my initial thought is like three and a half, three and a half loot. Shoot, it may even be three looters. I may go down to three looters. There's just nothing like spectacular about this to me. It's just yeah. kind of like it's like it's almost a yingling or something like that with like a little hint of like a Christmas twist to it. But it's not a strong Christmas twist. It's just like it's like Santa drove by the batch. <laughs> it's the LaCroix version of yeah. Christmas twist. <laughs> yeah. So I I think I'm gonna land at three Luthers on this one. It's not bad. It's just like there, there's nothing to like really write home about this one. Yeah. Um, and I think what I'm learning is that we don't like New Belgium because, um, what we've had from them. Well, you gave, you, you gave Voodoo Ranger four. What were we doing back then? Not grading beers very good. I can tell you that much. You gave Voodoo Ranger, which was an IPA. Four Luthers back at episode 28. Oh, yeah. We clearly didn't know what we were doing back then. <laughs> Are we hot? What is wrong with us? Um. So, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to give this three. Three out of five. I, I, It's not terrible. It's just not my thing. Yeah. Um. I wish the cranberry flavor was more real. Um. And, uh, and, and, I think what I when we did that remember a couple of years ago we did like the Christmas themed beers like we did Christmas like four weeks in a row we tried to find like oh, Christmas yeah. themed stuff I don't remember liking any of those you know yeah so um maybe I did maybe I didn't but I don't remember liking any of those so maybe I just I'm not a fan of brewer, beer companies or breweries dipping their toes into that just like stick with what you're good at <laughs> so do that um you anyway. know what was good though that we found out from those beers so we had the grant i should have got that while i was up there westbrook the grandma's uh, apple pie but see like even even to me like that's not necessarily christmas that's true that's just good. Like, like, like when a beer company says, "Like this is a Christmas beer. This is a, you know, Rudolph's Rye or whatever they, whatever they're mm-hmm. gonna, whatever they do." Like when they're in, when they're explicitly trying to do a Christmas beer, to me, I don't think I've enjoyed any of those that I've had. Yeah. If you've listened to every episode and I've said something opposite of that, please call me out on it. But. 
I don't remember ever liking a Christmas beer that much. So yeah, it has to be episodes one fifty two to like one fifty five because I did the seasick crocodile, the nussnacker, uh huh, the red nose rain beer, and the ye old Christmas ale. Nothing got really good reviews. Seasick crocodile got four and a half. That's the highest one that we did. And I did merry monkey. All of the Otter Reindeer Christmas Cart Wheat Ale. Christmas Cart got five. I will take that back. Christmas Cart Wheat Ale got five. I remember that one. It was good. Um, was Grit and Glory Amber Lager. Grit and Glory. I don't remember that. Oh, that was that's the um, Yellowstone. Oh yeah, that's right. Four sixes. So, so yep. I didn't. I didn't have a Christmas for everyone. Every time you did. And I'm going to go back and look a little further just to see if. It's fun kind of going back and looking at all the stuff. That it we is. <laughs> That's why we keep the list, dude. <laughs> That's why we do it. One day we're going to publish this for fun. <laughs> These are all the beers we've drank. <laughs> and then some, some person will go, you alcoholics and your liquor. <laughs> yeah. This is what three and a half year, four years worth of beer right here. <laughs> yep, it sure is. So, anyway, holiday ale getting three out of five for me tonight. Again, New Belgium is not doing anything wrong. I just don't like it. Well, there you go. So that how, was me last week with the Chris Kindlemart. Yeah, but so. how's how's a uh, how's Cocaboon? Okay, so I'm struggling on this thing because when I drink from my cup. I'm wondering if I'm if I may have like because I just got this out of the dishwasher early or like last week, but I'm I'm getting okay when I smell it in the cup it smells like wet dogs. Okay, <laughs> but when I smell it out of the can, it has a great like chocolatey coconutty like it, it smells like a German chocolate cake. Have you ever had a German chocolate cake? Yeah, it's, it's okay. It's like my second favorite. Dessert okay. probably. So it's got the coconut on it. Mm -hmm. It's got the, you know, like, like, and it's just, it's got a good, rich chocolate smell. It's not overbearing rich, but it's just like a good, rich smell. So yeah, I'm thinking there's something in my cup that is making this thing smell weird because it, I mean, it does like, it smells like a wet dog and, and, and it's, I don't know. I don't get it, but the taste of it is good. So creature comforts, I, I, I guess you guys just know how to brew my kind of beer um, because the balance of it is good. The, the feel of like, it's got this smooth, um, I mean, it's a porter, so it's, it's going to be like a, a light version of stout. Um, mm -hmm. It's got a good smooth feel to it. It's got good flavor. Um, all the, you can get all the flavors. The thing that I like is that like the coconut, or the chocolate don't really overbear on anything. And so you you get both flavors mixed together. And that like, that's what I'm saying. It has a weird, a, a, a different aftertaste because it's like you get the chocolate and then all of a sudden you have that, like if you've ever eaten just like raw coconut or whatever, mm -hmm. that, that feeling that's in your mouth when you're done eating raw coconut, that's what's there. Okay. So it's like, it starts with chocolate ends with coconut and then mixed in between that, all that is is the coffee flavor, which is is pretty good too. So that I feel like they've done it right. Now, the one drawback I will say is I feel like just the overall flavor might be 
I mean, if it's a if it's a touch, it's a hair of a touch too bold. Like it's just a little bit too much. I would have backed it off of just a smidge. That's a personal preference for me. Yeah. Um, and so great quality beer. Um, texture's good, taste is good. Um, everything that it advertised, I'm gonna give it four and a half Luthers. Wow. Okay. I'm gonna give it four and a half. Um, because this is good, like, and it's not it's one of those beers that you like, it's not so rich that you feel like you have to like really small sips of it mm-hmm. um, and nurse it for a long, long time. But it's also not so bland that you're like, man, I could drink this whole thing in, in two seconds and not feel anything. So right. they, I feel like they've, they've gone, they've gotten it as good as they, they probably can. Um, but for me, just the flavor, it's just, just a smidge too much. It's a smidge too rich. So um, I'll give it four and a half because it's good. And Creature Comforts usually does well with me anyway. But the uh, Cocoa Booney Milk Stout or Milk Porter, I'm sorry, getting four and a half Luthers from me. The Holiday Ale drawing three Luthers. Not too impressed. Michael is uh, with the Holiday Ale. So there's that one. If you like those uh, flavors, go check it out. but otherwise, that's our ratings. And now we're going to dive into the book of First Peter when we come back from this break. Welcome back from that break. We are back and we are going to dive into the book of First Peter tonight and we're going to go all the way through it. Um, and then we'll have more books to follow in, in the coming weeks. We, we were hoping to finish this. Um, our last episode would be like the New Year's Eve-ish episode. I think it's like the 29th or something like that. But it's not going to happen. So we would rather do all of the books justice than try to rush through it and and not uh, be fair to every book of the Bible. So we're just going to take it as we go. And when we finish, we finish. And then we're going to move on to our next thing, which is going to be the book of Galatians. Um, but tonight we have the book of First Peter. So if you are a longtime listener of the podcast, then you know that we've already gone through this book. Um, in fact, it was one of the very f- first books that we walked through um, verse by verse when we kind of took our break and then we came back and took off voice changers and all of that stuff. It was so, We did Habakkuk first, right? Yeah, we did Habakkuk, then we and did, then first, we did Peter. first Peter. Mm-hmm. So episodes number 74 through 91, we did a deep dive all the way through the book of First Peter in those episodes. So if you're not a long-time uh, listener, welcome. First, welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, if you are, you know which episodes we're talking about. If not, feel free to go back to episodes 74 through 91 uh, and check those out for a deep dive verse-by-verse through the book of First Peter. Also, there's some good beers in there, too. So um, there's a little tag there for those episodes. But Let's talk about First Peter. I'm going to get us oriented to tonight. And um, the book of First Peter comes out. It's a letter of encouragement to Christians written by 
uh, Peter, the apostle, Peter. Um, and he is going to be addressing uh, undergoing suffering with a focus on the Christian response to suffering or persecution. Um, and so kind of from the outset, you're going to see us talk about tonight pretty heavily how the book of First Peter basically demolishes the idea of a prosperity gospel right. um, because it's all about suffering and it's about how Christians should live in a world where they face persecution and suffering. Um, and so, like I said, it's written by Peter roughly 64, 65 uh, AD, somewhere in there. Um, and it was written to specifically Gentile believers. Um, so it's, it's really interesting because Paul would have been the apostle to the Gentiles. Peter was uh, more so seen as the apostle to the Jewish people. Mm -hmm. And so it's interesting that Peter writes this book to Gentile believers, but you're going to, you're going to see some parallels here between the way that he writes it, um, talking about uh, strangers and aliens drawing on Old Testament uh, imagery in a lot of things. Um, and so, so he's going to have that kind of Jewish perspective to Gentiles, if you will. Um, and so it's written to Gentiles who are dispersed across what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, so there's going to be a, a lot of churches involved in here. Um, remember, we just came from James. That was basically a letter to an entire uh, our area of churches. Um, so it's very similar in that. And it was written because of an outbreak of localized persecution that uh, was coming on these Gentile believers because of their faith in Jesus. Um and so you have people who were very serious about their faith, and they were very vocal, very public about their faith, and that drew persecution to them. Uh, so again, prosperity gospel, bam. Um, but we're going to see a few emphasis here from the book of First Peter. Number one, we're going to see suffering uh, for the sake of righteousness should not surprise us. It should not surprise believers. And so uh, pick up on that that emphasis as we go through. The second one is going to be submitting to unjust suffering the same way that Christ did. Um, think back to the cross right here. Christ suffered on, on our behalf. He suffered for our sins, uh, even though he didn't commit those sins. He, he is the ultimate you know, receiver of unjust persecution. Um, and so, and, and he received that unjust persecution on our behalf. And so that should, that should spur our thinking about how we, uh, approach persecution and suffering. Um, the third thing is that God's people should live righteously all the time, not just when it's convenient. Um, and this is something that we have addressed here on the podcast several times where in modern days, it's become less, socially advantageous to be a Christian. When we talk about the 50s, 60s, 70s, maybe on into the 80s even, um, you know, it was almost a a societal expectation that if you were a, you know, business person or you did uh, community involvement, that you were you were doing that kind of out of the basis because you went to church and it was always this, you know, um, I think back in the days not when I was alive, but, you know, it was always introduced. Somebody would introduce themselves as, you know, hi, my name's John, and I go to First Baptist Church, or I go right. to the, you know, First Methodist Church. And, and it was always like, 
where you went to church was a part of your identity and it was a major part of your identity. Right. Um, not so much anymore. You know, now it's, it's almost taboo to say you go to church. And so, um, as Christians and churchgoers are marginalized, um, that's going to become, uh, less convenient to be those things. And so more, you're seeing more and more people fall away, which statistics and studies are showing that, um, in mass, basically anywhere you turn. So, um, so that's Peter's uh, encouragement there to, to live righteously all the time. And then the the fourth thing that he's going to put emphasis on is that our hope as God's people is in Christ's resurrection. Tie this back to 1 Corinthians 15 and what Paul said, that if Christ be not raised, according to the scriptures, then basically everything we have is futile anyway. So um, that's some emphasis. That's some orienting data to get us thinking about the book of 1 Peter. Give us some advice for uh, reading through this book. Sure. So, um, first Peter's kind of, a, um, different book in a little, in a little bit of a way. It's because of, um, some of those vocabulary and language that Peter's going to use here. Um, he's going to use word. He, I'm going to, I'm just going to go off on a, on a list of words here and how many times he uses them. So just be thinking about that as we read it. He's going to use the word suffering 11 times. He's going to talk about anastrophe, which is the way of life or behavior. He's going to talk about that six times. He's going to mention God by name 39 times, Christ by name 22 times. He's going to talk about the spirit and spiritual uh, eight times, God's will four times, election and calling 10 times, um, saved and salvation six times, and hope five times. Um, and all of this points to um, this future promise and mm. this um, in the inheritance, glory, whatever you want to call it there. Um, and then he's going to continue adding on to this, this language here, talking about God's people living as foreigners and strangers. Um, they're exiled in this present world. And so all of this is to remind the reader that we are called to be different. We're called to be um, in the world, not of the world. We are called to um, reflect the image of Christ. We're called to reflect his personality, his, um, like his uh, qualities, his characteristics. Like we're called to look like Christ. And so um, the world should notice that there's something different about us. And like you were just talking about, you know, there was a time when it, it was almost like a badge of honor to be a follower of Christ. And there still is a badge of honor, but it's not one that is the first thing people learn about us. Yeah. Um, It doesn't contribute to your social status anymore like it used to. Right. Right. So, um, uh, Peter is going to, um, use suffering as a central theme that's going to inform and propel the writing here. Um, and he's going to frame it as this idea of like suffering, having a higher purpose. Um, remember when we talked about in James, um, count it all joy when, when you go through various trials. Yeah. The same kind of concept here is that your suffering has a higher purpose that you may not understand as, and we've talked about this, um, on the podcast several times, what you're going through right now, you may not understand what the purpose is right now. And you may not understand what the purpose was once you get through it for years. 
Yeah. And then you'll be able to look back and go, oh, that's what this is. You know, this is what that was for. (laughs) And sometimes you may even, I mean, you may go through something and not really understand the full meaning of it until you, until you are gone, until you reach heaven. And so, you know, everything we go through, good, bad, neutral, has a greater purpose. Um, And what Peter is going to talk about a lot here is what um, suffering has, you know, what the purpose of suffering is. Yeah. Um, You know, and, you know, we talked about, you know, Christ's suffering Mm -hmm. and, you know, that is the ultimate suffering. So no matter what you are going through, Christ's suffering is far more far worse like I, I don't I'm not trying to like downplay your suffering or whatever yeah. you're going through <clears throat> I'm not saying that it's not bad or it's not you know it's not hard but in comparison to what Christ went through to make salvation possible it's not I feel I feel like I'm trying I feel like I feel like it's gonna be interpreted yeah that I'm trying to say like oh your suffering doesn't matter that's not what I'm saying. Your suffering is like that's yours and you're like whoever whatever you're going through you are going through. Yeah. And it sucks and I understand that. Christ's suffering is infinitely more painful, more challenging, infinitely worse than we could never ex- we can never understand or experience or get what Christ went through on the cross for us. Yeah. So there's an underlying theme here that Peter is trying to uh trying to poke through here. Peter is encouraging the readers to live rightly in spite of their suffering. Yes. Like when when things go bad, like I feel like I feel like a lot of Christians in 2023 America like when things go bad, their first response is like well, God doesn't love me. I'm out. Or yeah. like, like I'm gonna like stop doing the church thing for a while mm-hmm. until my life gets right. That's not the message here at all. What Peter is saying is like, when things get hard, you should cling to your hope. Like cling yeah. to what Jesus has done for you. Um, I, I know it's. It's easy to be a Christian when things are good, and it's difficult to be like a, to be a Christian when things are hard. Yeah, you know, um, especially if if it's not like a deep, deep relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you don't grow that relationship just by like winging it. Yeah. Um, and so, the way you prepare for for those hard times is spending time in the word, spending time in prayer, um, growing in your faith. And then when the hard times come, you're ready, you're prepared, you're, you know what, you know what you need to know to get through those, to get through the suffering. So, um, and you know, as Christians, the things that happen to us can't dictate how we respond. Like, yes. Like just because something bad happens to you, whether like, like little suffering or major suffering 
like your response should be rooted in um should be rooted in your identity as a follower of Jesus. Yes. So, um I th- I feel like a lot of times and I'm very guilty of this. So, again, I feel like we've said this a lot. Don't hear me saying all this being like, yeah, we've got it together. Y'all figure it out. <laughs> Y'all figure it out. Like I struggle with this a lot. But I feel like a lot of times our actions are a direct um, response to our circumstances. Yes. And our circumstances our circumstances have the ability to change, but a lot of times our circumstances don't change because God doesn't want them to change. They want He wants us to change. Yeah. Um, if you're praying for your circumstances to change and they don't, God's got a plan for those circumstances. You know, it's it's really interesting, and and I I hear I know exactly what you're saying. And and it's one of those like I've thought about this several times and and I think as Christians, and and I'm not gonna say this is like I learned this from the Bible or this is a rule of thumb or whatever, but I think as Christians we should we should stop praying for our circumstances to change and say, God, what are you trying to teach me through this right. circumstance? Whatever it is, what are you trying uh, immediately focus on what are you trying to teach me right now? Are you trying to teach me patience? Are you trying to teach me understanding? Are you trying to teach me wisdom? What is it that you're that you're trying to teach me? Because right. when when you turn everything towards a God, I need you to take this away. I need you to fix this. I need you to change this. I need you to it it almost even if you don't mean it this way, it almost builds this like genie in a bottle mentality yeah. into your prayer life. Yeah. You know, but it but if you if you look at prayer modeled throughout scripture then almost always it's pointed, God, show me where I need to be the one to change. What do I need to do differently to conform better to your spirit, to conform yeah. better to the example of Christ, to to example Christ to other people better? What do I need to change? And it's it's a constant mentality or a constant kind of thought process that just says, I want to honor God with my actions, and the best way to honor God with my actions is to understand how I can be more like Him, yeah, and less like me. Yeah, I've heard it said that like God will use your circumstances to change you. He doesn't necessarily gonna do. He's not necessarily gonna do that by changing your circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you could pray all day long for your circumstances to change and God is not going to do anything about it because that's not what the end goal is. Yeah. Um, if you're going through like, if there's like tension in your marriage or you're frustrated at work or your kids are driving you nuts or, you know, whatever it like you're, um, you got a wayward kid or like whatever it is, that circumstance may not change. Like your marriage may may not get better. Your work stuff may not get better. Your kids may not like your relationship with your kids may not get better, but your, but your prayer should be God help me change. And then through that, you may see opportunities to where, okay, this relationship's not great, 
but my attitude, my perspective through it, my my perspective on it, rather, how I'm handling it is different. It it's never going to be perfect. Yeah. Like like if you're expecting perfection out of every single like um if you're expecting everything to be perfect you're in for like a rude awakening because at no point in life is everything perfect yeah like there are seasons where things are great and there are seasons where things are terrible and a lot of times we're on the way from one to another i feel like i said that last week I could have said that. I feel like I've said that recently, and maybe that wasn't on here. Maybe that was somewhere yeah. else. But, um, but like, so your circumstances, your situations, your struggles, your your suffering has a greater purpose. Don't be so. I feel like a lot of times too, and I say I feel like a lot, and I'm sorry that I say that. But I'm going to keep saying it because it's a habit. <laughs> but I feel like a lot of times we're in such a rush to get out of the suffering yeah, that we neglect what God is trying to teach us in the suffering. And that's what you were just talking about. It's like, God, what can I learn? What can? How do I change by going through what I'm going through right now? Um, And so I would encourage you like not to wallow in your suffering because that's not a healthy response at all. Yeah, but not to be like trying to get through it so quickly that you miss the whole point of what your suffering was. Yep. And again, like you may not real you may not really realize what your what the point was for years. But don't be in such don't be in such a rush to like just get through it that you miss out on what God is trying to teach you in the, in that moment or yeah. in in that season. Um Again, I I'm I'm I feel like I'm backtracking a little bit. I'm not saying I'm not trying to downplay suffering at all. Like what you are going through, what it, what you are experiencing is suffering, is your experience. So what Anthony thinks is suffering and what I think is suffering may not even look the same. And what I am struggling with, Anthony may think is dumb. But your suffering is your suffering. And God yeah. has a plan for you for that he's going to use or he's going to uh, he's going to follow through with his plan through your suffering. Yes. If that makes sense. I feel like I've uh, talked a lot and I feel like I've kind of like <laughs> gone around a little bit. So if you're lost, I'm also kind of lost. <laughs> so um, welcome to the club. No, I, I think it's I think it's a great point. And and. You know, it's we talked about this back in when we went through Lamentations. You know, um, I think it's exactly what you're talking about is is the point. Like, we have to be willing to talk about our issues. Yeah, and and I was trying I was trying to remember the acronym. I think it's T A C T or T C A T. Trust. T cat. Confess. Yeah, T cat. Trust. Confess. Act. And. Uh, I couldn't remember. That's why I couldn't remember the last one. Um, or no, turn, confess, act, and trust. That's what it was. Turn, and so you know, it's. I think what you're what you're getting at right here, and this is 
driving from the book of Lamentations. It's driving from the book of Habakkuk. It's driving from First Peter. Is it's okay? Don't don't hear us say that people should never complain about anything to God. You know, don't don't hear me say or don't hear Michael say that. You know, you should never voice your complaints to God because there is a there is a time and a place. There's an opportunity to lament to God. God, this is a really crappy situation that I don't like. You know, it, there is nothing wrong with that, and, and we're and, not saying. And he knows, and he knows that's what you're feeling. Like, yes, like sometimes you're like what you feel in your heart. God already knows. Sometimes just verbally saying, God, this sucks is a such a freeing response and such a freeing like experience. Yeah. That you can be like, okay, now that I've communicated that out loud, now I can be, now I can begin processing yeah. what it means and, and like what I'm going through and and how to get how to go through it. Yeah. And so I, I think the 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 point that we're we're all trying to drive right here is that don't let your suffering be the thing that dictates your attitude or your response. Yeah. You know, don't don't let your suffering and and you know, I'll teach this to my kids all the time. You're responsible for your actions. You're not responsible for the other person's actions or what they say or what they do. And if what mm -hmm. they say or what they do makes you mad, fantastic. That's still not their, your problem. Right. You know, your problem is how you respond. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and I, I get, I find myself in the, in the same situation. I, you know, I tell my kids, I'm like, don't snap at your mother. And I do it by snapping at them. And I'm like, well, terrible role model I am. <laughs> or you do it by snapping at their mother and they're yeah. like, wait, you just said I yeah. can't do that, but you did it. <laughs> Don't listen to me. Just do what I say. No, but, but it's, you know, it's, it's a balance. Okay. Yeah. And, it, and it's something that we have to, as Christians understand that we're going to get it right. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong. Sometimes we're not going to do this right every time, but it's a constant process of growing in righteousness and it's this thing called sanctification that we need to be working towards on a daily basis because we have been bought with a price. Christ on the cross has paid the price for our redemption. He paid the penalty so that we didn't have to. And yep. and that should spur us into into that action. So that was a little bit of a diatribe on that one, but I think we I think we got our point there. Yeah. Um Sorry, I usually don't go off on the rabbit trails, but I was kind of enjoying it. <laughs> you, I could tell because you just let me keep going. Um, so then the final thing, like I'm, st we're still on advice, by the way. <laughs> we um, haven't even the, got to the walkthrough yet. <laughs> I know the final advice here is to remember that the household structure in the first century was very, very different than what we think of as like household order or household structure, however you mm -hmm. want to word it. Um, the father of the house would have been seen as the master of the house. Mm -hmm. And then the rest of the home would have followed his lead. Um, this is really hard for Western cultures, Western cultures to understand. Um, even though like, I feel I could be wrong, but isn't it still like the man provide, like, isn't that kind of like the mentality you get, Anthony? I, I mean, as the man and the father of your house, do you feel 
that responsibility to provide for your family. Yeah, and I mean, you've, and, I and, and and it's not just like a church. I don't want to say pressure, but like that church. It's not just like a church expectation, but like the world is still like expecting the man to provide for his home. So there's actually been some really interesting uh, studies recently done on this this whole concept right here, because if you if you look at the news cycles and you look at culture, secular culture abroad, mm-hmm. okay, yeah. um, it's it's going to be screaming that you know, okay, equal pay for women, women in the workforce, um, fair treatment, e- equality, equity, all of these buzzwords that have come out and so it leads you to think that we're fighting against this cultural context Mm -hmm. okay that that comes from really the first century the ancient near east uh culture um but the interesting part of these studies has come to find out that okay so women who women who make a lot of money who are very successful in a in a career or a job tend to be less happy in a marital relationship or seeking if they're unmarried they are seeking a marital relationship because they don't they can't find a partner or a man who can basically match them or be better than them women mm. subconsciously still have that in their in in their minds that if if I'm dating a man, he should be more successful than I am, mm. and that's what that's where they draw happiness. On the flip side of that, men do not look for women who are more successful than they are. They see that as a basically as a bad thing, right. and so men draw their happiness from being able to provide for somebody because that person is less successful. Um, and, and again, I'm talking worldly standards here this the, i'm not talking from a biblical standpoint here this is what secular things have found out and i think it's interesting because basically what secular studies have confirmed is what the biblical order has said it should be which mm-hmm. is that the man is the one who provides he earns he you know he f- hunts he fishes you know in that time it was hunting and fishing gathering this was all of that and then it's the woman who handles the other side of that whole uh, dynamic, which is the domestic side. And, and it was in, we have gotten to the point where we have downplayed as a society, a modern society, we have downplayed and marginalized a domesticated culture to the point where we see it as a bad thing. Now that somebody is, or would be considering being domesticated. Um, because we think of domesticated as your dogs, your cats, like that's what that's what we think when we think the words domesticated, but it's not. Domestication is in reality it is a provision of the household, you know. If you don't have a person dedicated to the domestication of the home, then you don't have a home. And and so in, a, in our society today, we have twisted it so much, and it's really funny to me that we're seeing studies now basically confirming that what we've twisted it into has jacked up the whole created order anyway. Mm-hmm. So 
it's 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 really interesting there's a whole there's a gamut of stuff i i could i've looked at some of it and it was it's really struck me as interesting over this path because the more we see these kinds of things come out and and the more you really pay attention to larger societal transitions and and moves ebbs and flows i guess if you will yeah the more you see things saying that what the bible teaches the created order should be like is actually the best way for humans to live it's like the bible knew what it was talking about because it was written by god because every mm-hmm. all scripture is god breathed but yeah i digress into into my craziness <laughs> so so peter's writing um he, when he's writing this, um, the man of the house, the father of the house, is the master of the house from top mm-hmm. to bottom. Um, if he is a follower of a, of a religion at all, and in that time, religion was a very like whether it was Christianity or or the the other polytheistic stuff that's going on in the area. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they're religions have taken very, very seriously. And so what typically happened was that the entire house from the husband to his wife, to their kids, to their slaves, they adopt that religion. Yeah. And so here Peter is writing in this context where there's some slaves and wives that have gotten out of line. Mm -hmm. Um, He speaks, um, and he's just trying to like write the ship, so to speak. Yeah. So, so when you're reading some of this, know where that's coming from. Yeah. Um. That that's where well, that's what Peter is is saying there. So, that was a lot of advice. <laughs> I feel like there was some advice that was maybe not necessarily just about First Peter, but we made it through that part of the of this episode. So we've gotten through the advice. We've gotten oriented a little bit. Anthony, why don't you take us through the first few chapters of First Peter, um, and we get into the the actual text here? Yeah, and now understand why. Since we've set all of that up, now we should be able to get through the the text a little bit quicker because you you know where we're coming from on a lot of this stuff. So we should, but we also have almost two hundred episodes of history <laughs> to maybe to say tell otherwise. us we may not. So yeah. Anyway, we're gonna give it our best shot. Um, so first Peter chapter one, uh, the first half of chapter one, we have the, uh, introductions. We have a blessing, um, here and Peter is going to address the recipients. He's going to call them the elect exiles, um, stating really kind of from the outset, their, their separation from society. He's going to say they're chosen by God, sanctified by the Holy spirit, uh, and, and, their therefore their obedience to Jesus Christ understand and see the trinitarian nature um of God's work in salvation right there at the beginning of of what Peter's writing um and so so you see that from the beginning Peter Peter grounds his salvation explanation to these people in the trinitarian nature of God and so mm-hmm. um he goes on to exhort the believers to set their future Fully on the grace that will be brought to them at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There, everybody is looking for the second coming at this point because Scripture has told us that's what we should be looking for. And so Peter is pointing them to to keep their eyes focused on on the future and uh, the the coming of Christ. And he's going to encourage 
um, a lifestyle or a life that is characterized by holiness. Um, and again, this is going to be that play that we get back and forth through pretty much the entire book um, of a suffering and your response should be holiness back and forth kind of the whole time. Um, and so he's he's going to say that this this lifestyle, this holiness should be grounded in the enduring word of God, which we know stands forever. Um, and then notice here the majesty that he puts into the characterization of God. And, and he really exalts God to this point where, you know, we should be looking up to, and, and that's kind of the, the thought process is we're looking up to um, to God as the example for our life in mm-hmm. and the standard of holiness and righteousness. So that gets us through half of chapter one. Now, the uh, end of chapter one on into about half of chapter two, we're going to see this initial kind of call to holy living as God's people. Um, He's going to emphasize, again, he's going to emphasize holy living, urging the people to be holy as God is holy. Um, This is, we've had that, uh, he quotes Leviticus in this section, you know, be holy uh, for God is holy. And the holy way of life, uh, what he describes as, is especially seen in their communal relationships, okay? And and again, for, remember back to James right here, because James was written as this community letter. This, again, here is as is like this community letter. Um, uh-huh. And so we're going to be relying on those relationships. And that's what, um, you know, we, we, we learned at the end of James that the, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. And so... Guess what? You can't have the prayer of a righteous man unless you're in community with that righteous man. And 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 so you're you're going to need to build off of each other, um, which is why, you know, being involved in a local church is so important for the Christian life and the Christian worldview. Um, I'm not going to keep going into that because I did that a couple of weeks ago. But uh, we see that the believer's identity is, is going to be explained as a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, um, and a people for God's own possession. Continually, Peter draws back to this idea of God's people um, and God possessing or God owning his people. In the Old Testament, that was clearly defined as the ethnic nation of Israel. As you move into the New Testament, you have the grafting in of Gentiles, um, and then you you get this uh, this picture of God's people or the nation of Israel being anybody who is in Christ, because Christ mm-hmm. is the ultimate fulfillment of everything that was promised in the Old Testament. Now we have this this living um, group of people that is in Christ that that is uh, explained as as Israel, and it's not a it's not a replacement because ethnic Israel can still be a part of Israel. Uh, if they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. So it's, this is not a replacement thing where God has forsaken his promises to to Old Testament people, but instead he has fulfilled them through the person and work of Jesus Christ. And so um, that's also going to point to this idea of, of a royal priesthood and a holy nation is going to point to a spiritual house, if you will. Um, and that's why we move away from ethnic to spiritual, uh, that mm. draws a lot on old Testament, uh, language about the temple. And again, remember that Peter is the apostle to the Jews. And so he's going to draw heavily from the old Testament and he's going to use the old Testament because he, he is writing to Gentiles, but these are Gentiles who have put their faith and trust in Jesus. So therefore they have been grafted in through what, uh, Romans nine, 10 and 11 teaches us. And so, yeah. 
So we've got that going on there at the end of chapter two. Then we move on from the end of chapter two into the first part of chapter three, and we get this uh, this idea of the call being particularized in various pagan settings. Now, this is going to be the part where the rubber starts to hit the road for Peter, okay? Um, he's going to instruct believers how to live as sojourners and exiles in the world. Think of the word sojourners and exiles the way that you would think of it back in Deuteronomy, where it was talking about when sojourners and exiles are among you, how they should be treating the sojourners and the exiles. And now you are the sojourner and the exile. And so it's not about how people should treat you, but how you would want to be treated. Yeah, There seems like this guy, his name was Jesus, who said, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, not do unto others as they have done unto you. There's a big difference. In, in those two phrasings. And so we yeah. have to recognize that. And so, you know, if we think of ourselves as sojourners and exiles and we think, how would I want somebody to treat me as a sojourner in exile? Well, I'm going to treat people that way. That's the way I'm going to treat people. And so yeah. um, that's what really frames this, uh, this idea of uh, holy living. And this is set up here in the context of a pagan world. So everything about the world around them is really and fundamentally against them um, because they don't have the same morality that the, that these Gentile believers have. They don't have the same worship practices that these Gentiles have. And so you, you find yourself in this place where you're contrasting pretty heavily with the world that surrounds you, but you're still supposed to be the example of holiness and righteousness to these people. Okay. Right. <clears throat> so uh, he's going to address some uh, important things about submitting to authorities, honoring those who are around you, um, living upright lives. Uh, all of this is just building his argument of of how Christians should be living in a in a secular world. And he's going to provide guidance for wives and husbands as he closes out uh, the first part of chapter three. He's going to provide um, guidance for wives and husbands, and he's going to emphasize this idea of mutual respect. Um, and understanding within the context of marriage. And I think this is a really important point because so many times we look at um, words uh, in in the Bible and we superimpose a 21st century understanding of a word that would have meant something different in the first century. Mm. And, and I think one of those words that we do that with is the word submission. Um, and, and, you know, too many times, I think, as men, we like to focus on this idea of you should submit to me when we, because that's what the instruction was to the woman. But guess what? That was the instruction to the woman. That's not your instruction to the woman. That's God's instruction to the woman. Mm -hmm. Your instruction from God is to love that woman and provide for that woman and take care of that woman every step of the way, tend to her needs, tend to what she needs done so that she can submit. Because I, I don't know if I've said this on here before, but if we had men who were leading properly, we would not have the problem of women submitting because mm -hmm. it would be a glad submission. You've always, you know, you've had that teacher or you've had that boss or you've had that coach or, or whatever it is, that person who you will do anything for, because of the leader that they are. Yeah. And and you're like, man, 
I will go charge hell with a water pistol for that guy because I know the kind of person he is and I have no problem, you know, following that leader. You know, if we had more men like that, we would probably not be having the conversations that we're having about complementarianism and egalitarianism and marriage struggles and things like that. But, you know, sin is sin and the world is broken. And and so it is what it is, but we need to see that um, we, we can understand things the correct way. We can understand things in the context that they were written and see how they could better apply to our context today. Mm-hmm. So that gets us through the first half of chapter three. Take us through the the rest of the book. All right. Uh, so we're going to get into the, um, the rest of chapter three, first part of chapter four. Peter is going to general, generalize his call here. Sorry. <clears throat> Peter's going to generalize the call here in the face of hostility. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to advise believers to have this unity of mind sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind in their communal relationships. Um, And then he's going to encourage them to bless those who do evil and to seek uh, peace just in general. Um, The blessing people who do evil part is is like a complete 180 from what we as 21st century American yeah. uh, believers want to like when we see evil, we want we want to like like fire and like torches and pitchforks, like go get it, like like go, eye for an eye, baby, <laughs> yeah, like like when when we see something like I don't know how many times I've heard it said like if something happens to my kids, y'all better be ready to lock me up because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna go get them. And I feel like I've said that like if like if someone ever hurt my kids, like my wife would be like on her own for a little bit. Like <laughs> I feel like I've said that. Not that I've had to ever like seriously consider that. I'm just like we when you watch like crime shows and stuff like that you see that all the time but anyway um but like here peter is saying like if people do evil to you you are to bless them you are to like yeah almost be like you know what not say it's okay what you did to me but i'm not gonna hold that against you because if you don't know jesus then obviously you're gonna act like you don't know jesus um it goes against our fleshly instinct yeah, I mean, my fleshly instinct is to like respond in, in like in 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 the same way. Respond. Oh, what's what's responding how, how, kind? In kind, I was like in something. Like I was <laughs> in my brain was like, finish the thought, you dummy. Um, like res- like I want to respond in kind. Like when something bad, if something bad happens to me or somebody I care about. I would want like if something happened if something bad happened to Anthony and I was like I I you know, I find out like one in the morning I would be in my truck on the way down <laughs> to to do something like to I don't know what I would do but I'd be doing something something um, anything yeah so like that that's like that's when when you care about somebody and you hear about something bad happening to them that's our initial response and Peter is here saying yeah like 
okay, you're allowed to have that feeling, but, <laughs> but <laughs> you are to bless those who do evil to you and to seek overall peace, which is yeah. just so crazy. Like it does not make sense. And it's outside of Christ in you. It's not possible. Um, and then like we talked about earlier, um, Peter talking about suffering for righteousness sake. I almost said snake. That's a different <laughs> thing. Um, so suffering for righteousness, righteousness's sake is example by Christ's suffering. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Christ goes through everything that he went through so that we might attain righteousness through him. Our suffering does not compare in the least to Christ's suffering. Yeah. And so, again, like I said earlier, not trying to downplay what you're going through. You may be going through a breakup. You may have cancer. Like whatever the whatever the spectrum of suffering is, it feels like the worst thing in the world to you. Christ's suffering is infinitely worse. Yeah. And I think we as Christians know that. I think we yeah. as Christians know that like, yeah, Christ went through hell. Like, like Christ, Christ went through the absolute worst experience maybe of anyone in the history of ever. Yeah. Like when you factor in like all the extra spiritual stuff that came, that he went through too. Then I would say he definitely, not just maybe he definitely did. Yeah. Um, but our suffering is, is ours and it, and it's so real and we tend to forget that mm-hmm. Christ's suffering is so exponential, exponentially worse than anything we could ever experience. So, um, but again, our suffering has a purpose the same way Christ's suffering has a purpose. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So Peter's going to start concluding, wrapping it up here. Uh, the rest of chapter four, most of chapter five. Um, he's going to talk about suffering, hope. And then he's going to sneak in a little bit of Christian conduct here. Um, that he's going to talk about how suffering for the sake of Christ is inevitable. Um, if you claim the name of Christ, there's going to come a point where you suffer. Um, it may look vastly. I feel like my voice is like getting really weird. <laughs> Sound <clears throat> like you're getting hoarse a little bit. I don't know. I feel like I've talked a lot. I've talked more today than I maybe have all week. Maybe that's what it is. Um, anyway, so so suffering for the sake of Christ is inevitable. If you claim the name of Christ, you're going to suffer. Um, and you may suffer by like you lose a friend because they don't want anything to do with Jesus. Mm. Or you may suffer by being like, you may be called into full-time ministry and going to a third world country to serve where you are susceptible to disease and poverty and all that stuff. Like your suffering is going to look, suffering could look very, very different. Um, But again, with a, but or the, however, but, but um, believers should rejoice in their shared sufferings 
and entrust their souls to a faithful creator. If God calls you to something, he's going to work it to completion. Yeah. And he's going to give you the strength to get through it. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be what you want it to be. But Christ, if he calls you to something, whatever it is, he's going to equip you and he's going to bring it to completion. Yep. So, um, and then he's going to talk, Peter's going to talk to elders here uh, for a second. He's going to speak specifically to the elders and urge them to lead the people by their example. Um, how important it is to shepherd the flock with humility and watchfulness. Yep. Um, and so if your church has, you know, the elders that are overlooking the flock, great. Make sure they're overlooking the flock in the right way. And if your church doesn't, start asking the question, why? Yeah. Why Why isn't that part of what we got going on? Why so or find a church that does. And and yeah. elders here does not mean older, like old people. Yeah. Older, elders in, their, is, older in their faith, not just old people. Yeah. Yeah, it's I mean it's specifically talking about leaders in the church. Yeah. So elder elders can mean old people, but it doesn't always mean old people. Yes. Um and sometimes old people are immature in their faith and don't need to be elders in the church. That's right. Old people in the church don't need to be elders in the church, is what <laughs> I meant to say. I don't know if I said elders and elders <laughs> twice, but whatever. Um and then Peter's gonna wrap it up. He's gonna he's gonna wrap up uh, with some final greetings. Um, there's gonna be some personal remarks, very similar to other letters that we've gone through. Um, and then he's gonna give this really kind of final exhortation to stand firm in the grace of God. Um, kind of wrapping up all that he's talked about here in First Peter. So, um, so that's First Peter again. If you want like a verse by verse deep dive of it, we we covered that uh, back. Uh, episodes 74 through 91. So if this has piqued your interest into first Peter, um, go back and listen to those. Um, our voices aren't, don't sound weird and we don't have weird <laughs> names. So, um, so, so it's, it's basically the same thing you just heard. So, um, with all that, Anthony, if you don't have anything to add to the discussion tonight, would you pray us out? I would love to pray us out. Let's do this. God, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for the book of First Peter. We thank you for um, how it reminds us to constantly be on guard about the way that we uh, act toward the world around us. Um, thank you for the encouragement of Peter to basically say, hey, get ready for suffering because it's coming. Um, but in the midst of your suffering, remember that you have a sure hope. And we are so grateful that our sure hope uh, is in the person and work of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross to purchase our salvation, to make salvation uh, uh, achievable uh, for us, not by anything that we can do, um, but solely in his work and in all the things that he did for us on our behalf. And so, God, we thank you for the lessons that First Peter teaches. I pray that we would take it to heart and we would take it deeply. Um, God, that, that we can analyze ourselves and say, where can I do better? Where can I... Uh, rely more on what God is showing me. Where can I find better ways to live a holy life? And then not rely on our own strength to do that, but God, to, to again, rely on your strength through your spirit to 
uh, live holy lives, to be the royal priesthood that you have called us to be, uh, and, and to honor you in, in our actions, in the way that we respond to the world around us. Uh, God, I pray that you would give us patience and, and kindness and gentleness and faithfulness uh, and self-control and, and, and all of those things that are uh, from you. And so, God, we lift up our, our lives to you. We offer ourselves uh, to you and say, do with us as you please, God. We, we want to live for your glory and for your glory alone. And we ask all of these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our one and only Savior. Amen. Amen. And amen. Boom. We did it. <laughs> if... I was about to say, we're not done yet. We got to wrap no, it up. We're not done yet, but we did. We made it through the book. Um, Michael, if people wanted to get a hold of us on social media platforms, where would they do it? You can find the Beers and Bible podcast on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter or X, whatever Elon Musk is calling it now. Um, Beers and Bible P at Beers and Bible P1. We're on Facebook, Beers and Bible podcasts. And you can email us beers and Bible podcasts at gmail.com. Um, any beer suggestions, questions about anything we've discussed, questions that you have in general about anything. We'll take any questions, honestly. Pretty much. It doesn't have to be anything we've discussed. It doesn't have to, it doesn't even have to be about the Bible or beer. If you just have to like a general, what's your favorite fruit question? Like, like whatever. <laughs> we don't care. Um, so, yeah. Reach out to us. We'll respond. And we'll, uh, we look forward to hearing from you on that. So there you go. Boom. Boom. Well, until next week, I hope that your beer stays cold and your Bible stays open. And we will see you later. Peace out. <laughs>